What's up? This is Britt with the Good Christian Podcast. I'm here with a mighty man of the Lord from Scotland, Donald Menzies. He's agreed to come on. Um, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, Donald. What's up? Hey, Britt. Thanks for thanks for doing this. I'm excited to share my story. Uh, yeah. So as Britt shared already, I am uh, from Scotland, born and bred. Uh, was born in 1996 in Edinburgh, capital on the east coast, baby. Uh, and I stayed there until um, about 18 years old, and I went up north to study for a couple of years, and uh, now I'm over here, uh, just finished my second year at BSSM, like you, and going to do a third year, so super pumped about that. Nice, yeah, and just in case no one, someone doesn't know these abbreviations, BSSM is the ministry school we go to, Bethel in Redding, California, and I've got literally... Um, a thousand or so amazing people surrounding me all the time. So, uh, uh, Donald stands out to me because I just shared my testimony. I released my own testimony on the podcast yesterday and it's very brutal and it takes a lot to share your testimony. I've had uh, some friends share their testimonies and you always feel a, a vulnerability hangover, like they call it the next day, uh, heaviness, like people are going to judge you. They're going to look at you different. It's very hard. And especially to just put it out there for anyone to hear. Uh, it's really uh, makes you feel a little bit naked. So earlier in the year, this is how I, I met Donald last year, but he really grew a lot this year, really quick too. And I met him halfway through the year uh, during preach week. We have a preach week where everyone has to preach a 10 minute message. Uh, I think it's in December and before Christmas break. And I was very going through a lot of shame and, and feeling like I didn't belong in the church community. I've only been here for a couple of years in, in this type of community felt a lot of shame attached to my uh, testimony. And so me and Donald just happened to have to uh, run to his house to pick up some keys. And then we went and ate and I shared my testimony with you. And you said, I feel like there's some shame attached to that for you. Shouldn't be ashamed. Uh, said a prayer for me, for me to, uh, to speak uh, my testimony, what Jesus has done for me with a life and, and, um, not to go into too much more detail, it really, I got set free that day. Wow. And it, it was an unwinding process. It wasn't immediate, but I can always draw back to that day when I actually felt free enough to share with uh, people that have known me or strangers or whatever. So I've always been super grateful for that. And that's why I wanted to have you on. You have you definitely carry something powerful, some an anointing for leadership. And, and I just want you to first start off by thanking you for coming on here. And next, just to share a little bit of your own testimony and how you got yeah. to come to Reading and, and everything like that. Yeah, bro. I just remember that was such a powerful day because, like, I have a real passion for, you know, I have dealt with a lot of shame in my past. And I have a real passion when I hear people's stories, when there is still shame attached there and I can see it and hear it. And because at the end of the day, it's not the testimony of what I've done wrong, but it's testimony of Jesus in my life and how he sent me free. And, you know, if we still carry the shame, then it's saying that like what Jesus did in the cross isn't enough for you. And that uh, mm. um, well, his death wasn't enough to take that shame and that sin, but it is, you know, and yeah. that's what he died for. He wants it back. As Graham Cook, this amazing uh, preacher says, he had a dream where Jesus said, I want my stuff back. 
and he was talking about the guilt and the shame. And Jesus was like, I'm serious, bro. Like I died for this. I want it back and uh, give it to me, you know? <laughs> so wow. that was such a good day. And uh, yeah, I'm so glad, bro. We were friends and we got to know each other because you're, you're a great guy. Yeah, that was a day, a life-changing day for me. Took me on, uh, kind of took me off their own path and put me on the right path for the next half of the year. I would not have experienced as much growth as I did without that day. So I'll forever be appreciative of that and the chance encounters that we have here at wow. ministry school with the Lord. You want to just share a bit of your testimony? How you, how long have you known the Lord? When did you meet the Lord? Was there any yeah. dramatic, uh, like uh, encounters with the Lord that got you there? Feel me yeah. on your early Christian life. Yeah, bro. So, man, I was brought up in a Christian family. Um, I never remember not knowing Jesus. My mom is an incredible woman of God. Um, she's just so steady in her faith. And uh, the way she brought me up, her and my dad both, um, just uh, remember inviting Jesus into my heart as a little boy and, you know, always loving him and uh, never remember not knowing him. And, um, that was the way it was. Growing up in school, um, I became pretty aware of the culture in school. My, my, my school I grew up in in Edinburgh, a uh, very atheistic environment. And um, you kind of get it beaten into you from the outside that if you believe in God, you know, you're, you're an idiot and God's not real. And um, I was very aware of the love that I had for God in my own heart, but I can never really express it. And I remember like people talking about God um around me and my heart would start racing and i start to feel a little bit anxious and i just wouldn't want to leave the room or change the conversation because like the thought of bringing that up and then realizing that actually i do love god um would just be like an embarrassing thing for me to talk about so yeah um i remember being in church as like a little boy watching um this now a very important figure in my life called jeremy this guy I met up with on a weekly basis um, when I would go on to eventually study at university. And at that time, he was the pastor of the church that I grew up in. And I remember watching him preach um, as a young boy. And I was sitting there and I felt this like, this sense of respect and honor I had for him. Um, and I felt like I could be doing that one day. And the sense of like, I, I could be doing what he's doing. But it was so bizarre because at the time I didn't really enjoy church and I didn't really experience family in the church growing up. And because it was, it felt like a religious environment that I was in and it felt like there was not much of God there and it just wasn't very attractive. It just found it boring. Um, so there's this weird dynamic of like, I don't enjoy church, but I love the Jesus that my mom shows me and the compassion and the forgiveness. And I, and I have respect for this guy, Jeremy's preaching, but um, I feel like I could do that one day, but who knows, you know? And then, yeah, going into to high school, around probably 16, 17, um, I, uh, I just get caught up with the crowd, you know? Like, I've always been a, like, popular guy. I wanted to fit in at school, you know? Do, I did the sports and academics like anyone else did. Played rugby at high school um, in, in the first team there, and just like just being a part of the guys, you know, wanting to fit in. Um, and I remember, like, you know, just going to clubs, drinking too much, because um, it's what everyone did, right? It's like if you don't want to be left out, you just do what everyone else is doing. And if that means going to going drinking, going to parties, you do that. Um, and like I remember this external pressure. 
uh, I remember someone saying like, oh, if you leave school at 18 and you're, and you're a virgin, you're a weirdo. And there was just like this weird pressure for people just to have sex and just lose their virginity, you know, at, at school. And uh, like, I knew obviously what my parents had taught me and it's, you know, sex is um, for the covenant marriage. And I just was like, you know, what didn't want to be a weirdo. And uh, so I remember um, at 18 years old, losing my virginity to a girl. It was actually on my last, my last night uh, at, at my high school before leaving, um, leaving school. And it was almost like the last chance to leave, you know, I'm like, yeah. last day is like, I don't do it now. It's now or never. <laughs> so, so that happened. Um, <clears throat> do you know what's crazy is backtracking a couple of years. Um, I'd gone to this youth festival called Soul Survivor, um, run by a guy called Mike Pilavachi who people might be aware of or might not be, but he's a Greek guy, but he lives in the UK now, and he's, he's, he would probably call himself English Greek. And uh, they run a church down, um, it's not in Bradford, I can't remember what city it's in, but it's called Soul Survivor. And um, the church itself is called Soul Survivor, and they do this youth festival um, every summer when I was young. And it would probably take about 10,000 young people at one time um, over three different weeks so there'll be 10,000 and then they'd leave another 10,000 and then another 10,000. So it was crazy the effect that this ministry had on in young people in the UK. And I would go and I would experience him giving words of knowledge and giving prophetic words from the stage. And like words of knowledge are um, things that only God would know about an individual and would call it out from the stage. Um, and he'd say like, there's a guy here called Tom you came here with your girlfriend and you've broken up since being here and um, you were going to leave last night, but you've decided to stay last night and you're here this morning. And I want to say that God's brought you here for a purpose. You thought it was to be with your girlfriend, but actually God's brought you here. If you're here, I'd love to, I might be wrong, but if you are here, I'd love to see you come up to the side later on and, um, and we'd love to pray with you. And you'd see this guy coming up later on, Tom, just crying as, as Mike would just tell this really accurate word from the stage he would prophesy over individuals on the stage what he heard God saying, and it would be so accurate for them. They'd be weeping. And there was times where he would just wait upon the God. He would say, I'm just, I just feel like I'm meant to wait right now on the Holy Spirit. And we'd all sit there in silence, and God would start sweeping across this room. People would start laughing um, as the joy of God would hit them. People would start crying as pain would start coming out of them that they'd, that they'd been holding in for years. And I experienced like just what God can do in a corporate setting with young people um, who are hungry and who are there expecting God to move. And it was beautiful because Mike is such a humble guy, you know, and he'd always phrase, you would always start off ministry uh, with saying, you know, I might be wrong, but I feel like God is saying this. And, and he said, I'd rather get it wrong than not say it and potentially change someone's life. And I saw people's lives being changed there. And I, so I definitely experienced God in, in, in those environments. And that was the first time I really, experience the holy spirit um and i remember my mom picking me up from soul survivor and uh after we got off the plane because it was down in england so we flew up to scotland and my mom collected me from the airport me and my friend called hector and we dropped hector off at the house and as soon as we dropped him off my mom would start weeping because she could feel the presence of god in the car and she could see the difference in my eyes and you know the bible says the eye is the window to the soul and it was like as my mom looked at me she could see the holy spirit um, was there and I was I was almost a changed man in a small way um, and I remember carrying that fire I, I would call it like the fire of the Holy Spirit so I could feel my heart would be burning for God um, 
and I came back to school, to high school, and this burning fire would be, would, would be reduced down to a little flame again as I'd feel that peer pressure of like, you know, like party, drink, and like all my friends were doing that. And, you know, I love them to this day, but it's, they didn't know any better and, you know, I didn't know any better. Um, so what was crazy is I went to that festival three times from 16, 17, and 18 years old. And each summer I'd go and be filled with like this passion and this zeal for God as I'd see him literally transform lives in front of me in this room. And then I'd come back home and that fire that's in my chest would kind of dwindle down to a little candle. Yeah. So it would still be lit, but it was, it was so pressured from the outside to conform to, to society and conform to what everyone else is doing. And so as I already said, at 18, um, I did, ha- did sleep with that girl uh, before leaving high school. And that really opened the door in my life to that whole area, um, just with women and, and, and alcohol. And so I, went, I left uh, high school at 18. I went to study at university for four years and I traveled up north uh, two and a half hours to a city on the northeast of Scotland called Aberdeen and uh, I studied biomedical science there and um, I remember um, you know my mom telling me before going to to university she said you know people often find their wives at university Um, and I remember those like that phrase ringing in my head you know I always say like as guys you know you know, most of us, unless you're called to not do that, which is very rare, you yeah. know, we want to get married, have a family, you know, normal desires. Yeah. And um, I remember, you know, going up there with those words ringing in my ear, bless my mom. Like she probably didn't know I was what I was doing at that point and what I was up to. And it probably wasn't helpful for me to hear that. So in my first year of university, I started rowing and, uh, you know, the rowing in the long Olympic, yeah. Olympic boats, you know, been. Uh, I rode fours and eights and pairs um, and um, I met this girl uh, who was a year above me and um, she was involved in the rowing club and we started dating for uh, for about nine nine months I think um, and we got into like a full-on you know sexual relationship right from the get-go uh, when we started officially um, being um, boyfriend girlfriend and uh, yeah we went out for a long time and you know I I remember like just it being full on, as I say, and um, you know before even dating her, I I had hooked up with a bunch of different girls when going to university, and so I was just like this stallion that was released from home, up to the north where my parents weren't there. I was just running wild, you know, um, drinking far too much, just partying, and you know all these things, and. Uh, it was, it was after the summer holidays of first year that me and her split up, and uh, for a number of for a number of reasons, um, and I won't go into the specifics of that. But if anyone wants to know, then you know I'd love to chat to you about it. But um, we split up, and it was a very painful um, separation. And I remember her leaving my my accommodation, and she was crying, I was crying, and I thought I was going to marry this girl, you know. Um, I like I knew what I was doing was wrong in my heart. I knew that like it, being in the relationship with her, having a sexual relationship, um, I just knew in like inside of me that it wasn't who I was. And uh, and I again went to that same to that same ministry in the summer with Mike Pilavachi. I think this time it was called Momentum because it was for the twenties to to thirties. And 
And I remember being there and one of the guys came up to me and was like, hey, bro, I just feel like God's saying like, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And like, it was uh, such a classic verse yeah. that we all know. And he didn't know anything about what I, was, what I was doing back home. And I kind of, he said that and I was like, thanks, man. But like, you know, I don't really, like, I didn't really receive it, but I knew that God was like trying to speak to me. And um, after we'd broken up, like, I had gone into that conversation um, seeing like, God, I can't, I can't live like this anymore. Like over the summer, we kind of had a break. And so it was the first conversation coming back into my second year and her third year at university. And I had um, said to God, like, I can't live with this anymore. Like I need to tell her like about you because I want to have like basically her to come to Jesus and like, and we can live like for you. And so I prayed so much about our first conversation coming back. I don't know whether you've ever prayed a prayer so much that you feel like heaven hears your answer and you just have this peace settling your heart, like, hey, God's heard me. And so we met up um, the start of my second year and um, we come into the room and she comes into my bedroom and, and before I can even say anything, she's like, we can't be together anymore. We need to split up. And uh, she starts crying instantly. And I'm like, why are you saying these things? You know, she's like, uh, um, just, um, me being with her reminds her of a lot of pain that we've walked through and, and basically just like things were messed up and she needed to leave. And I was like, she started leaving and I was so confused cause I was like, God, like, where are you in this? You said that you said that you'd come in into the room and that you'd be here and that you'd move in the situation. And I didn't understand it. And, and she left, um, and, and went away as I said. And, and, uh, I just remember like being on my knees in my bedroom after she left, just so upset. And like, you know, one of my favorite verses is that God, God draws close to those who are broken hearted and, and to those who are crushed in spirit. And I was at that point, like feeling pretty broken hearted. And, um, because like, you know, when you, when you, when you have sex with a girl uh, or a guy, if you're a girl, like you, you create this bond with them. Uh, what my, I might call a soul tie. And, um, you know, it's like you, people have an analogy of gluing two boards of wood together. And if you rip them apart, there's parts of you left on the other board and parts of one board left on you. And it's incredibly messy, you know, but what's amazing is that God can, can totally break that off and can heal you, which is what he did with me. And I remember sitting there in my bedroom, just so upset on my knees and I felt the Holy spirit come so close to me. And I felt God come and just so new to my, to my heart. And I felt his compassion and his love for me. And I knew that he was like forgiving me and washing me and, and um, just kind of setting me free. Um, and uh, so going into that second year of, of university, I still was in a lot of pain from that relationship um, for sure. And it was like, it was healing that I needed to walk out. Um, and I tried to numb that pain um with alcohol and with more girls you know and um here's one really important thing is that i'm gonna i'm gonna touch on this again later on but it's so important the people who you hang around with really influence you Mm. and i love my friends but the influence they were having on me in the way that i was living the lifestyles living that i knew was wrong was not a good influence and it's true that a bad company corrupts good character and I didn't know who I was to their defense as well. So it's up to me to, to, um, to live the way that I'm according to my identity, but at the same time, you know, 
the company you keep does affect things. Um, going into that second year university, I am sleeping with more girls, going out and drinking, and and just doing doing all these things, and just creating such a world of mess. Um, I get to the end of that year, and um, I'm in a pretty bad way. And I felt like at that point, the Lord knew, you know, He was going to pull me out of that. He knew where I was headed. And it was almost like he was trying to create, the, he was, the devil was trying to create as much mess as he could before he pulled me out uh, of that situation. And I got to the end of my second year, uh, limping away. And um, I went to, to my mom, uh, who is such an amazing woman. She just knows what I need. And uh, she must have heard from God and was like, hey, for three weeks this summer, I'm going to go to America and I'm going to go to Pennsylvania. And there's this amazing ministry there called Global Awakening. It was a guy called Randy Clark. And he has an amazing ministry, changes people's lives. And um, do you want to go? I'm going already, you know. And, I'm, and I was like aware of this guy's ministry, aware of the impact that he has on people's lives and how he has really been a catalyst globally uh, for the church. Um, and he's very well known. And so she was like, you should pray about it. So I prayed about it. And I felt like God was like, you need to go. And I had this sense that if I did go, uh, my life would be, would be changed. I knew that it was like a one-track journey and there was no going back. Um, and so I even remember getting on the plane with my mom and I said to her, this is, like, this is the root of the apostles. They didn't even know if I knew what that meant back then, but she just laughed. And I just knew, I had a sense that this was like, okay, God's going to do something. And so before I went, I said, God, if I'm going to go to this, you need to tell me the plan you have for my life. Because, you know, as a young age, I was always hearing my mom say to me, Donald, you know, God's got a great plan for your life. I don't know what it is, but he's got a great plan for you. And, you know, these seeds that I would call a seed that my mom was planting in my heart, I would believe them. And I would I grow up believing that I had a purpose and that God did have a plan for my life, you know. And that really did shape my thinking. Um, and so went to, went to um, Pennsylvania to this ministry for three weeks. Uh, it was like a, they have a school a little bit like Bethel school of supernatural ministry. Um, um, and it was like a three week crash course condensed version of their first year school. So there was teaching, um, there was like activation going out and doing the stuff. And, um, yeah, it was great. It was intense. It was like what I'd call trying to drink from a fire hydrant. The thing was open and going and you're like trying to get a little sip at a time. Um, but I went praying like, God, if I'm going to go to this, you need to, you need to tell me the plan you have for my life. Two amazing things happened while I was there. God answered that prayer emphatically. Um, it was, I think the last week of the school and there was a man named Lee Grady, um, preaching, um, who I'm forever indebted to. And he does not know the impact he's had on my life, but one day I hopefully will meet him and tell him how he's changed my life. But he was up there on the stage uh, speaking and he was actually prophesying over people in the room doing some prophetic ministry time. And I was um, minding my own business. You know, it's funny when you ask God for a prophetic word and uh, you're kind of looking for that, that word from God, he doesn't give it to you. That's, that's my experience anyway. But when you are just minding your own business and just focusing on him, boom, he can strike you with, with, with something. And that's what happened to me. I was standing in the front left-hand side of the room. Lee was ministering, and I was minding my own business. I think I was worshiping. And I feel his hand on my head, and I hear him starting to prophesy. And um, I open my eyes, and I realize he's prophesying over me. And uh, he starts calling out things from my past, 
things in my present and things from my future. And he says, I see the things in the past that have held you back. I see strings connected to your back and arrows in your back and the enemy pulling you back. And you thought it was strong in the first place, but Jesus is breaking these things off of you. Um, it's, it's not that strong. The enemy just made you think they were. And he's breaking these things off. You won't be stopped. You won't be contained. But your voice will thunder and your message will thunder. And the impact of your life, you will leave a trail of holy destruction. He said, you carry a fire and it won't be stopped. It won't be contained, but it's going to break out and you're going to start movements in several places. He said, he said um, um, you're not only a giant slayer, but you're a stronghold destroyer. And you'll go in and see the walls crumble in Jesus' name. And he was basically prophesying, saying, which is what I've seen in the past. The devil's been holding you back, but Jesus is breaking these things off and you will not be stopped. But your voice and your message of your life will ring out and you will start movements and you will release God's presence wherever you go. And it's funny, like it was a big word for me to receive. And, and uh, the guy next to me, a young guy, I mean, I say young guy, I was 20. So I was pretty young as well. But this guy was two years younger than me. He was 18, I think. And he turns to me and he says, he says, man, did you feel that? And I was like, no, I didn't feel anything. And he was like, I, I felt this like fiery heat on the, on the left hand side of my body. I was standing on his left. And it was like the searing heat as, as, as he was prophesying over you. I said, no, man, I didn't feel anything. I just felt peace. And um, God revealed to me um, later on in that trip that, that it says in, in uh, Hebrews, I think it is, that his, his um, messengers are flames of fire, talking about his angels. And that God was actually um, releasing what I'd call impartation into me and implanting things into me that I would need for my future. And actually just even just touching me with the Holy Spirit and just putting a fire inside of me um, that I needed inside of my chest. And um, it was an incredible word. And uh, it was, it's probably the word that has impacted my life the most and shaped my life and from that day. Not only did that happen, but I, I met a lady called Mary Lee Fries, and she is a mother to me now um, spiritually. And um, she took me through a lot of like what I'd call inner healing and just like basically like repenting and saying sorry to God for a lot of stuff that I'd done and breaking off a lot of these soul ties that I mentioned before with these women that I'd slept with um, and stuff that I'd done. And I remember like feeling so much shame sitting with her and we were kind of writing down on this bit of paper all these different names of these people and all these things I could think of I'd done wrong. And I remember like thinking I have a shot at freedom here. Like I have a shot to get everything out and just be completely vulnerable with this person and, and let God deal with the shame. And I remember sitting there for sometimes like up to 10 minutes as I was trying to muster the courage to share something that I'd done that I felt so ashamed about. And she's like, Donald, I've heard everything. Like just, just go like, you're fine. And I, and I would tell her and she'd be like, no big deal. And she'd write it down, you know, and we'd break through all these soul ties that I had created. And I remember crying and crying like a little baby at times. <laughs> and she would just sit there and sometimes just stop and just hug me. Cause it was um, pretty intense for her just to sit there and watch me cry like a baby. <laughs> and um, hope you're doing well here. I'm talking fast and a lot of information. Yeah, this is exactly what I wanted you to do. Just share your testimony. This is what this is for people that are not in this environment. Uh, right. After uh, we have about ten more minutes, so if, cool. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, I wanted to end. Uh, whenever you're done, you can just work it in. Uh, I wanted to say you said earlier something about experiencing God. And that's really what I want to stress on this podcast. Is obviously not getting a billion people to listen, but 
I want the right people to hear how God is to be experienced because right or wrong, I wouldn't believe in God if I had not experienced him. Yeah. You know, I know uh, once you, once you believe in God, then you can start reading scripture then you can start uh, listening to sermons and building your faith. But if you don't believe in him, you can do those things and it means nothing to you. So you want to, whenever you're done sharing how you came to the Lord again, maybe you can just wind everything down by, I just saying a significant way you actually experience the Lord um, in a tangible way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So as I said, um, finished off this prayer time with Mary and, and I left that ministry a free man and I felt, um, I felt free and I felt clean for the first time in my life. And I remember driving in the car uh, after that conversation and looking out the window and thinking the, the grass looks greener, the, tree, the trees look greener and the sky looks bluer than I've ever seen it before. And I remember thinking like, I feel different. And um, I remember reading in the Bible not long after that, that it says if any man or woman uh, be in Christ, uh, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. And I felt like I had that new creation moment um, in, that, in that moment um, at, in Pennsylvania which is incredible. Um, I went back to university to go to start my third year there. And, you know, it's important that you know your identity, not just your calling. And um, I went there and I was still hanging out with the same friends I was hanging out with before. And I did fall back into um, sin back in that way. I still, last time I slept with a girl was was after that in November, um, which is what crazy, you know, you can still have, an encounter with God and you can still experience mm-hmm. him. But if you're not, if you're not set on knowing who you are, um, not just the calling of God and who he is, but actually who he's called you to be, um, you can still fall back into that. And it was embarrassing to even admit to myself. And it, it felt even worse. Cause I was like, wow, I've experienced the Lord in this way. And I'm still struggling with this. Um, and so I stopped drinking alcohol at that point in November. I thought I can't do this anymore. Cause that's the alcohol where it tipped me over the edge. So I stopped drinking for the rest of that year. And, um, and then in that summer, uh, I, I went to, to, for two months to, to Africa, to this ministry, to this missionary training school, technically in Mozambique. Um, and, um, with this, um, ministry called Iris and, um, God just drilled into me in those two months, identity, identity, identity. He knew what I needed. I thought I was coming for something, but he was like, Donald, you need to know who you are. And so for two months, um, I had people coming up to me and prophesying over me who didn't know me. Like, hey, I feel like God's has called you to be holy and you're called to dig a well of holiness for other people. Um, and I got the message after about six or seven prophetic word. Okay, God, I, I hear you. And um, I was chatting to a bunch of guys who worked at that ministry and I'd see they had rings in their finger and uh, I'd ask them, I knew they weren't married. I'd say, what is your ring for? You know, and they'd be like, oh, it's my Jesus ring or superior ring, whatever you want to call it. And, um, this, they kind of tell me their story and some of them were similar to mine and they decided to like completely change their life and walk, walk pure. And, um, so when I came home, I knew I wanted to get one. And so to mark it, to mark what God had done in my heart there. And when the ring, I ordered this ring and, and it arrived on the uh, 12th of August, 2017. And, um, God said, check the definition of, of those numbers in, in that order. And I was like, okay. And uh, I didn't know that at the time, but numbers mean things in the Bible. And so I looked up 12, 8, 17, which is the order of that date in the UK. We go day, month, year. 
And um, if you look at, if you put those definitions together, it means God's authority or divine government has created a new beginning in me to bring victory over the enemy. So God said, that is, that is the prophetic word for you right now, Donald, is that I have created a new beginning in me through my authority to bring you victory from the enemy. And that closed the chapter, that chapter of my book in terms of my struggle with purity in that area with women. And uh, it was pretty good. And I, I remember journaling that. And I wrote a letter to my wife and I said, and I, and I said oh, from this day, I'll walk pure um, because I, I want to offer you something on my wedding night that costs me something. Um, so, and then in my fourth year of university, totally different, you know, my friends from the first year to the fourth year were like, bro, what has happened to you? You know, and I'd still go out and, and even drink with them. At that point, I knew I could drink alcohol again and I could control myself because I knew who I was. And instead of them dictating what would happen, I would dictate what I would do. And I would actually change the environment around me. And I remember going into clubs and bars and actually ministering to people. I remember people opening up to me because um, they could feel my love for them and they could feel uh, my compassion for them. And they'd start opening up about self-harming and their depression and their anxiety. And I'd get to pray for them and encourage them. And a number of people gave lives to God in that time. Um, and yeah, it was just a, a completely different year from my first year at university, totally transformed. Um, and it was at the end of that year that I, I decided to, around Christmas time of that year, I applied to go to BSSM. And then at the end of that year in June, when I graduated, came out to BSSM in, in August 2018 or September to, to start first year. And uh, it's been a wild journey, bro. And here I am at the end of my second year. I'm so thankful to be here. Um, I knew back in 2016, God had called me to come here when I came back from Pennsylvania. And so it was a two-year process after that to, to get here and finish my degree. But I wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the world. And I know that I'm walking in the call of God for my life uh, being here. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and as you say, here we are now. So. Yeah, and you do walk in so much purity. You got a lot of respect. You're a standout in our class. Would you say uh, you would, you've grown more in ministry school or, or during your college years? Hmm. That's a good question. Do you know, I think I had the most radical transformation in my college years because the, the extremes were so apparent, you know, going from like this, partying, drinking guy, sleeping with girls, whoever knew about to being this guy who was like going to church on a church worship team, like talking about Jesus all the time and uh, going to go to ministry school. They were like, what the heck? You know, yeah, that's a major role reversal. Yeah. I noticed um, you've always been a solid man of the Lord, but I guess you were a little more reserved, a little more shy during first year. You kind of really came out of your shell 100% in second year. Mm. So just to end uh, in the next four or five minutes, I wanted to ask you, um, what is one of the craziest, like we went to the San Brazil together. That was the most amazing trip ever. Mm. Thousands of people in a stadium. Uh, Holy Spirit falling like I've never even imagined could be possible. And, you know, I feel like if everyone that doesn't believe in God saw something like that, they would believe you have no choice, but to believe in God because mm -hmm. there's an invisible force that is uh, healing people or, or causing people to find freedom in ways that are just undeniable. So I just maybe want to export a little bit of knowledge or your experience and just a major experience you've had with God mm -hmm. that 
if someone that didn't believe in God saw that with their own eyes, they would, uh, there'd be a line in the sand. They just have to chew God or at least believe him and, and deny him. But there's no denying that he exists at that point. If that makes any sense. Yeah. 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 I think, um, I mean, the, the prophetic word I touched on um, back in 2016 really was a deal clincher for me, if you want to put it like that. Um, just feeling like he was speaking to me directly. Um, and the stuff he was saying was um, so un- in line with what I felt God was calling me to do um, to the point where it scared me, you know. And I remember chatting with a lady after saying like, I'm scared by that word because it was so accurate for me. But I don't feel like I can do that. Yeah. And uh, she actually said, she said, don't worry because God's going to bring you a wife and you're going to run together and do it together, which is cool. Yeah. So that prophetic word was, was one that was, was definitely um, one. And, then, and I think just one of the things that's so attractive to me about Jesus is his mercy. Um, like I could, I could talk about like seeing people get healed um, and seeing people encounter God's love when I prayed for them. And um, especially in Brazil, man, like I think 95% of people we prayed for would experience him tangibly and would start weeping or would fall down. And some people would say, my life has changed forever. You know, this, this, this prayer you prayed, this conversation we had, I'm marked forever. Um, and I think experiencing his mercy for me has been um, just one of the most amazing things my, my favorite one of my favorite passages is when jesus calls his disciples and he calls uh peter um i think it's peter and and from the boat and and he says you know so he's called simon at that point simon peter would you cast your net out and the, you know the story they cast the net and this massive haul of fish comes in they've been fishing all night and they've caught nothing and all of a sudden their nets are breaking and Peter has this realization that this person is not just a man, but he's in the presence of, of something more. And, and he turns to him and says, you know, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And I've read that verse so many times and welled up with tears reading it because I can relate with the feeling that Peter had, um, of feeling inadequate. And you just want to, you want to push God away when you feel like you're dirty and you feel ashamed and you, cause you know, he's not any of these things, you know, he's holy. And I'm, he's just like, get away from me, Lord, you know? And Jesus says, do not be afraid. I will send you out to fish for men. And it's like this qualification all of a sudden where God's like, don't worry about that. Like I've got, I've got use for you yet. Brit. I've got use for you yet, Donald. I've got use for you yet, Simon, Peter. Like I've fried bigger fish than you, bro. Like you're good. Like I've paid for you, your sins on the cross, but I want to use your life to touch other people's lives. And the amazing thing is that what the things that we've struggled with and the things that we have walked through, God will use um, to set other people free. Um, God will be through you who he is to you. And the testimony of Jesus in your life is a spirit of prophecy. So anything that he has walked you through, any struggles you've walked through, um, it prophesies, it declares freedom over those who you meet and those who are in range of your voice actually the same freedom is available for you today i think that's the biggest thing that i love about about jesus and probably the most powerful encounter i've had is just with his love and his mercy man
I, uh, it's really good. I agree. One of the most fascinating things for me, I'm a relatively new Christian. Um, I say I'm new. I've always thought that I believed in Jesus. I've always maybe confessed with my mouth, but it wasn't in my heart. So it wasn't really true to me until I experienced the Lord in an undeniable way. But one of the most fascinating things to me in this environment and, and being with the Lord is how, uh, you know, I think the bill that says that the Holy Spirit's assignment on earth is to teach us about Jesus. Obviously, that's there's some specific scriptures that say that. So something I've learned just in this time, the, the importance of Jesus in my own mind, in my own sight, has been elevated just by spending time with the Lord. And not in a religious way, it's just evidence to me that the Holy Spirit, no matter what my mind frame is in the day, over time is educating me about Jesus and just becoming realistic uh, and more authentic. And I, I just, I guess, for lack of a better word, love him more. But it's just, uh, it's growing in me. Two and a half years in, and I'm, I'm just fascinated. And then to meet people like you who have been in it and have been... Um, transformed by the same thing that transformed me is always so amazing to hear yeah so I just, oh, well, man. yeah i appreciate you taking the time with me today probably yeah. have you back again i want to talk to you more about uh you know prophecy and your, the gifts and whatnot so maybe we can record again uh soon yeah. and I'll, I'll go into more depth with you about that yeah. But for now, I just want to say I appreciate it. Do you have any uh, parting words for anyone specific out there? Yeah. Um, if you're hearing this message and you're feeling far away from God, I just want to say that um, he's for you. He's not against you. He's a great plan for your life. Um, and what he's done for me, he'll do to you. He's not a respecter of persons. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that God works all things for good. For those who love him and are called. And so if it's not good for you, it's not the end. And uh, there's always hope. So, yeah, love you guys. And thank you, Britt, for having me on, man. It's a, it's a real honor to do this because uh, your ministry, I, I think this is the ministry you're doing. Um, and it's so powerful sharing people's testimonies. Uh, I've been inspired. I heard yours when you released it the other day. And uh, I love listening to yours the first time and the second time. And uh, I know people's lives are going to get really touched by, by hearing these stories and get inspired for the more of God. So, Yeah, thank you. I look forward to doing third year with you, seeing how far you go, and also visiting Scotland yeah. in due time. Yeah, All, right. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Love you, bro. Yeah, and thank you, Moises, for editing. And have a good night. I don't know where I would go without your head. star